Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen of America, I'll tell you right now that we live in a situation and in this country that is getting more and more out of control when it comes to unequal justice. Hawaii police officers who allegedly forced a man to lick urinal charged with civil rights violations. That's just one of many stories. We're going to get into that, but also the unequal justice that continues as we've been on this series addressing these issues. Attorney Demetrius Anderson is going to be joining us at the top of the hour. We're going to be talking about a, a case he's involved with that, I'll tell you what, folks, a man that was out of prison for 12 years, they got, and they attempted at least to send him back because of a clerical error. Again, unequal justice in America. We take off on this and many other topics tonight. Here we go. AJC Radio takes off right now. There you have it. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Cliff Stewart, Kendrick Barnes, Samson Riddle, William Williams, and the entire AJC radio team tonight, along also Lisa Stewart. Dennis is out of the studio tonight on a personal matter. But I'll tell you right now, folks, this is a discussion uh, that has to be addressed. Uh, we've been talking about this week after week, and uh, I'm appalled at the fact that officers, that those that wear the badge, and again, not all of them, but in this particular situation, as we talk about unequal justice, can somebody help me understand what you possibly were thinking? And this particular gentleman, uh, my understanding, was homeless. You force him into a urinal and make him lick the urinal? Samson. Yeah, I actually just heard about this story on the way here tonight. And, yeah, it, apparently, from what I heard, two officers in Hawaii take a homeless man, force him into a public bathroom. Now, that's enough right there to get you disgusted. If you've ever been out in a public bathroom, especially in one of those open parks, they're not kept. But then they take this homeless man in there, and they force him to lick the urine out of the urinal. And it's all because, and it goes back to the same root thing that we're facing with the, with the entire subject that we're going after tonight and that we've been going after. It's an abuse of power. And that's it at its lowest form. They're taking a human that is already out on the outskirts of society, begging to try and even survive from day to day, and they abuse their power by pushing him in there because they know he's not going to fight back. Well, we're looking at the same thing when it comes to the criminal justice system, and we're seeing all these people, whether it be based on your social status, whether it be based on your race or your belief or whatever it is, they're getting pushed around just like this homeless guy was because people in authority think they can do it and continually get away with it, and well, that's the problem. Well, and it's the folks that you think don't matter. That's right. It is the people that you think, well, he's homeless, who cares? I'm sure there's crimes being committed in Hawaii that you could have been addressing. While you're taking time off the clock, uh, to do such a disgusting thing. And this is, again, uh, they say justice cannot be bought. It's bought every day in this country. 
and injustice is given freely to those who may be of a lesser status, those that may not have the social circles or status uh, that others might have. It says here that the Department of Justice charged John Rebego, 43, and Reginald Ramones, 43, with one count of conspiring to deprive a person of his civil rights and one count of acting under color of law to deprive the same person's rights. The charges stem from an incident in, in January 2018 where the officers allegedly deprived an individual of his constitutional right to be free from an unreasonable seizure by a law enforcement officer. The indictment carries maximum penalty of 10 years imprisonment and a $250,000 fine. Uh, Honolulu Police Chief Susan Ballard told WKYT that the arrest casts a dark shadow on the department. Goes further to say, I ask that the public please continue to support the officers who carry out their daily assignments with courage, integrity, and respect for the public. Ballard said in a statement, the two officers who were arrested will have their day in court and be held accountable for their actions. Um, and Megan, uh, it looks like Megan KU, an attorney representing Rubago, told WKYT that she was confident her client would not be found guilty. And if you're that confident, Mr. Attorney, uh, you have a serious problem because it's clear what these men did. And again, everybody's entitled to a defense, but what they did was indefensible. Kendrick, your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know how you're going to. And here's my problem, too. Civil rights violation. It has no teeth. This is kidnapping. This is assault. Exactly. Right. This, this, is, this, is, this is menacing. Mm-hmm. Throw the book at them. You know, if this was anybody else, if I'd done this, they'd throw the book at me. But civil rights violation. They might get 10 years. There's a lot more. This man was probably fearing for his life. He couldn't go anywhere. So as far as you know, this man was kidnapped, taken into a, a public bathroom, and forced at the fear of his life and the fear of his freedom, which to me is kidnapping. That's assault. Well, if you move, get, Kendrick, real quick to your point, if you move somebody from one room to another in the same house, it's kidnapping. It's kidnapping. So your point, yeah. So uh, th- those charges to me is just too light. I mean, they 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 need more, and I think if they need to, and it's just if they get federal, they need to follow up with state charges. I mean, this is that's just it's an abuse of power, and it's and it should be, and it should, an example should be set that you just don't treat citizens, no matter if he has a home, no home, money, rich, poor, you don't treat them like that. Well, here's uh, to your point that you just made. Uh, if I take a homeless person right now to a public restroom and force him to lick a urinal, there would be people marching in the streets with outrage. How could you do such a thing? But because these particular gentlemen wear blue, where's the outcry? Well, to me, that makes it worse that you're... No, exactly right. But it shows you, again, that what we keep dealing with here is unequal justice. And, And you're right, Kendrick. If it was one of us, we would be, how dare you do that to somebody? Throw the book at them, and people would be on news cameras and talking about, they look what they did to this homeless person. But a cop, or a couple of them, can do it. And an attorney has the nerve to come on and say we are confident. Maybe that's the politically correct answer as an attorney, that they will be acquitted and found not guilty. William, your thoughts? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to read this and try to understand this. But it's it's pretty clear here that, you know, if the Department, U.S. Department of Justice had not stepped in, there was going to be no charges. There's no state charges here. So, in other words, the, their own police department didn't police themselves. 
So they're not going to charge one of their own. And that's the thing that's really sad here. Like Kendrick is saying, if it had been one of us, that had been state charges right there for kidnapping, assault, whatever, with, you know, anything. But it's evident from this that, that they didn't even think about that. They were going to take care of their own. And if the, if the U.S. Department of Justice had not stepped in, this probably would have been, you know, swept under the rug. And that's the sad thing about this, that that the DOJ had to come in here and do this. And so it's like, when are police departments going to start policing their own? And, and I know that's that's kind of what we're talking about, you know. But it, it's, it's really, it's ridiculous to, that they put this man to this and could have potentially gotten away with it. That's what's so sad. Well, no, absolutely right. And, and again, again, disparities within the system is what we, we've been talking about. These disparities are not only in sentencing, they're in the actual entire due process part of, 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 our, of our criminal justice system. Uh, this is a big problem, and it makes you wonder, when we talk about uh, Mr. Rainey in Florida, uh, who was cooked to death in a shower uh, by officers who stood out the cell, outside the cell, the shower where, where, the, where the gentleman was showering, and they locked him in there and laughed while he was tortured and scorched to death. Uh, this is a, this, the focus of disparities now also uh, go to the mentally challenged, how they are treated, how solitary confinement is used, unequal justice. It just it goes on and on and on, uh, and this is why we have these discussions. You got... Uh, Folks uh, getting put in prison for in, just insane things. People in custody, never charged with a crime, uh, who sit in county jails. Many of them that don't leave out those jails alive. And they've come in strictly on a misdemeanor, sometimes a traffic ticket, sometimes just a couple of days to dry out. And they leave these jails in a body bag. This is what we talk about. When we talk about unequal justice, and we're going to get in, into that more uh, tonight, we're starting a thing uh, we've started a while ago, but it's, it's going to be called the IRP moment, where we take a moment to look at the things going on with the IRP five uh, and revisit these things and, and make them you aware as the public of the injustices that have suffered. Uh, tonight, we will address during that moment towards the end of this program. Uh, the betrayal of Gary Walker, leaving his comrades in harm's way by doing one thing, telling lie after lie after lie. As we go forward with this, we will play clips of issues, of conversations, of statements made that are complete contradictions. The statements made for Mr. Walker to walk out of a prison cell early. And they're based upon lies. We're going to be dealing with that, not only regarding Gary Walker, but as this entire case of these men. And Kendrick, you'll be able to speak to some of this as well. Uh, Kendrick Barnes, uh, our co-host on the show, uh, one of the uh, IRP5, uh, will speak and bring his expertise, opinion to it as well from what he has seen and lived firsthand and saw firsthand. So definitely that will be going forward beginning tonight, a new, a new part of our show, the IRP5 RP moment. And we'll be addressing uh, all things IRP5. Ladies and gentlemen, hang on to your seats. We're coming right back as we get ready. 
to get into the discussion tonight, again, as our series continues, unequal justice in our criminal justice system and the disparities suffered by so many. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. The United States houses more human beings in prisons than any other country in the world. This is true whether you're counting total numbers or in relation to population size. This wasn't always the case. The number of prisoners in the U.S. began to rise dramatically in the 1970s. So what changed in America compared to other countries? While there are several competing theories, a look at the data reveals that a significant part of the prison growth in the last 40 years has been driven by the war on drugs. Here's the data. By 1980, there were over 315,000 prisoners in state and federal facilities. 57% were violent offenders. 30% were property violators, such as thieves or those convicted of fraud. 5.5% of inmates were in for public order and other miscellaneous offenses. And the remaining 7.5% were nonviolent drug law violators. Ten years later, the drug war had grown, and the total American prison population had more than doubled to over 700,000 inmates. The proportion of offenders in each type of crime had also changed dramatically. The most growth occurred in the nonviolent drug offender population, which grew to a significant 24%. And this last statistic actually understates the influence of the drug war on prison populations. Many studies have shown that drug prohibition causes violent crime by leading to the formation of gangs and cartels. And thus, it is safe to say that the number of violent criminals under prohibition is higher than it would otherwise be. From 1990 to 2000, the drug-driven population growth continued. By 2000, the total prison population had almost doubled again to over 1.3 million inmates. And by 2010, the prison population was up to 1.6 million people. The growth has started to settle and even decline in recent years, but the proportions of offenses are retaining their post-1990 levels. America's unique methods of enforcing drug prohibition seem to parallel its unique prison population. And one has to ask, is our country really better off with so many nonviolent drug offenders behind bars? Are drug users likely to be cured from addiction by being locked up? Has locking up dealers and users lessened the demand for drugs? Certainly, the effects on overall usage could not be called a success. And yet we spend billions every year on this war and lock up hundreds of thousands. Surely, there must be a less costly approach to addressing drug use in America. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855 855- 529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com 
and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. We know you care. Now is time. Time to change the face of justice. Did you know that minority and youth participation in juries is extremely low to non-existent? The incidence of youth and minority offenders faced with trials have exploded. Youth and minorities are not being represented as they should be. We must represent for people to get fair trials. If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote. And it allows you to become eligible for jury service. If you're 18, a U.S. citizen with a state ID or driver's license, and registered to vote, you're eligible to be called for jury duty. If called and selected, make it your duty to serve. We can't get justice without you. Change. 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 Change the face of justice. Check your local county or state jury service website for further details. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio. Tonight, uh, we continue our discussion about unequal justice in America, the criminal justice system, and the disparities that are suffered by many in this nation. Uh, We talk about all the time, you know what, if I go to a courtroom, how will I be treated as an African-American versus uh, a Caucasian, a white person, uh, anybody that... Uh, or somebody coming, not even that, somebody coming from a wealthy status. Mr. Smollett, uh, one who comes from uh, the entertainment world. Uh, how does the district attorney's office in Illinois, Chicago, drop all charges against this man for what he did? Twelve different counts, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if not more, and it disappears. Uh, so it's not only a, a racial issue, it's a social status issue. Where do I fit in society? Am I an entertainer that am famous or on TV or all of these things that promote unequal justice? But for the average person, uh, to be dealt with, as we talked about the homeless guy from Hawaii, no justice for him. Well, we're not too concerned about that. And then, you look, they were charged today, those officers were. But how many times have we seen officers charged? Because it looks politically correct. Ultimately, to go walk free, even at the death of folks that actually have passed away or be, have, have actually died in custody. We got Mr. Gray, who was uh, in New York. I believe that was New York Cliff. Baltimore. Baltimore, that's right. That they handcuffed in a van. It was six officers. Six officers that were in, in transporting him. That's, yeah. And, and, and he died due to his injuries. His injuries. And so. And uh, that, that's unbelievable. We're going, to get, we're going to get more to that here momentarily. Cliff, we have a caller? Yeah, we got uh, Hotep uh, has a comment. 
about these uh, unjust things that we're talking about uh, today. Hotel, thank you very much for calling. You are live. Hey there. Um, it does seem as though the entire American system has for hundreds of years been structured to invert justice for blacks, Native Indians, and even females. And so it may be an equation that can't be um, balanced. So if we're looking at a card game and the person dealing the cards hides half the deck and cheats, expecting to win is a losing uh, position. Marcus Garvey's uh, conclusion may actually, I'm thinking the more I see what goes on every day, be a a logical one, which is to leave Dodge City and, um, you know, move back to Africa, because uh, I don't really see the nation changing at all. The Democratic Party leadership will give us a few chicken wings once every four years, but they move us closer also to the gas chambers. And um, I don't know, I'm not very um, optimistic about America, Europe, Arabia, anywhere where uh, dark humans were slaves. The entire ideological dogma is dark is at the bottom and once in a while, we may get a little escape in an NBA championship, but in reality, it only empowers the same fiat currency and system that uses that power to further enslave us. It's almost like a, a uh, circular reference. Everywhere you look, you end up back at the same point, generation after generation, year after year. You build up Black Wall Street, it's taken down. You build up Bill Cosby, and even though he may have done some bad stuff, it's no different from what many of the white major celebrities do so i'm not optimistic well i appreciate uh, your point and we're going to discuss that thank you so much uh for, for your comments tonight we appreciate that uh samson what do you think uh if we were to, to the caller's point uh we're in a situation where a lot of people are not optimistic that this changes well, the fact of the matter is, I mean, like, I mean, to his point, I mean, you can look around society today and I mean, you can see injustice everywhere. Not, I mean, absolutely racially. We had a story on, I think it was week before last, where two people committed the exact same crime. One person was giving two years and actually let a walk a few months, months later because of quote unquote time served versus the other one got years behind bars and the difference was the one that got years behind bars was a young black man and the one that just got to basically walk was a young white man that's a disparity then we go into the fact of you know societal stance you know we have the the cases of these these rich kids getting let off with you know probation for what they call affluenza they're so rich they don't know that rules apply to them right. you know we had a man that was this young man was underage, drunk driving, killed four people, injured nine others, and walked. Like, you never hear about that anywhere else except America, where our our criminal justice system is completely twisted and basically on its ear. No, without question. William? Yeah, I was to, – to Samson's point, I believe we were actually talking about like Brock Turner, the – the Stanford student that uh, raped a girl got what I think was six months probation, and you compare that to Brian Banks – who had spent five years, he was young, or six years, in prison over a lie. Now, his situation, Brian's situation was the girl recanted, came back, said she lied. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. But the difference is you're talking about six months of probation as compared to five or six years over a lie. Well, let's break down 
the gentleman who raped what college was it again? It was Stanford. Stanford, Stanford swimmer. He, I think he, it was he right. didn't only rape her. He raped her behind the dumpster. Dumpster. Yeah. And he left her there with the trash. And you get six months. But Brian Banks, as you say, was accused of, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, correct me, I believe that was an underage situation. The the young girl was younger uh, than he was, but not like younger, younger like that. Uh, And she laughed about it on tape. They caught her on tape laughing. Now, he never did nothing to me. Yeah. But you took six years of this man's life and his football career, and and you but know the, opp- the opportunities he lost, yes, are life altering, life changing. But this young man, the I don't know who who rapes a woman, and it was a clear rape, and you left her outside a dumpster. Well, if, and if you remember what the judge said in that Stanford rape case, that. We don't want to ruin this young man's life. Now, the the, I mean, there is no word for that coming out of a judge's mouth. We don't want to ruin this young man. Well, he ruined this girl's life, raping her. Then when he goes to court and she conjures up the courage to stand in front of the scrutiny of the entire world, being on national television... Then you want to give him a slap on the wrist and, and basically tell her, you know what, you're really not that important. It's more important that this young man has a future and a career. That's more important than the human rights violation. The fact that he took from you something you can never get back. And the ju- of all people, the judge's response is, we don't want to ruin this young man's life. What kind of sickening crap? Is well, that that's the uh, that's the disparity that we're talking about that you have. I'm going to play a clip for you first, and then we're going to come back and comment on that. We will get to you as well. Uh, and this is talking about no jail for the rich many times. And a statement was made last week that if Lady Justice has the blindfold off, there is no justice. Justice is supposed to be blind that we weigh the facts and the evidence, and it's not something that we see other than that. Well, apparently Lady Justice can smell black people at times because it's not fair in the system. She may be blindfolded, but she can determine something's not, something's not right here. I just have to comment. <laughs> no, absolutely right. Let's go to the clip. We begin with a sentence handed out in a Texas court that has stunned the families of four people who were killed by a drunk driver six months ago. It was Father's Day weekend. A young woman with car trouble was stranded on the side of a road late at night. The mother and her daughter had no inkling their decision to be good Samaritans to help out the stranded motorist would prove fatal. Neither did the youth pastor who also stopped to help. But a teenager who'd been drinking heavily plowed into the group of people with his truck. That's the teen there. His lawyer didn't deny he was drunk when he mowed them down. They didn't contest any of the basic facts that the prosecutors presented. What they argued instead was surprising. Their defense, the 16-year-old who killed four innocent people, was a victim too, a victim of his family's wealth. They even gave it a name, affluenza. The judge agreed. The teen who faced up to 20 years behind bars got no prison time at all. Here's Randy Kay. 
He got drunk, then jumped behind the wheel of his pickup truck and plowed down four people in a drunken haze. So why isn't Ethan Couch behind bars? Keep in mind, he's just 16, too young to legally drive with any alcohol in his system. And in this case, his blood alcohol measured 0.24, three times the legal limit in Texas. Eric Boyle's wife and daughter were both killed. We had over 180 years of life taken, future life, not 180 years lived, but 180 years of future life taken. And two of those were my wife and daughter. Investigators say surveillance tape shows Couch and his friends stealing beer from a Walmart store in June. Then they got drunk at a party. Leaving there, police say Couch gunned his pickup, going nearly 70 miles per hour in a 40. Just about 400 yards down the street, he slammed into Holly and Shelby Boyle, who had stopped to help Brianna Mitchell fix a flat tire. Youth pastor Brian Jennings was driving by and had also stopped to help. All of them were killed. Ethan Couch was charged with four counts of intoxication manslaughter and tried as a juvenile. In one of the most bizarre defense strategies we've ever heard of, attorneys for Couch blamed the boy's parents for his behavior that night, all because of how they raised him. Well, there you have it. Um, wow. So we have a young man, 16 years old, driving a vehicle, buying booze, and he walks out of a courtroom with not a day in jail, but two lives. Four lives. A total of four people dead uh, in that situation. That William? Uh, well, I think I think correction. Just uh, I think they said the, on the clip that they stole the beer from Walmart. So I think uh, that was that was one of the points too. They were said they stole the beer from Walmart and went to the party. Well, and so yeah, so you sit there and you look at these these criminal acts, and you say, okay, but it was because of the status. parents, right. his status, what they could buy. And and I mean this is this is the thing that we're seeing and and this is it's repetitive like Kendrick said you know it, it's, Lady Justice is influenced by some way to allow this kid to walk and we know it's money it's, it come from the right side of the tracks the right neighborhood the family with the right last name and and allows them to go ahead and walk and do this stuff and I, I think this is the you know this is. We've seen this in our country for years. I mean, a lot of us could know and grew up with some kid that was able to get away with something because his daddy or his parents or something like that. But this is a shame when you talk about the loss of life, when you talk about 180 potential years of living that was lost on the side of the road because he was in a drunken haze in his truck at age 16. That's It's incredible to even just think about that. Well, it's illegal to drink alcohol under the age of 21. That's number one. That's a DUI number one. Did he lose his license? I mean, there's no penalty here. If you send a message to society that I can kill people 
by my reckless actions, then what message do we send to folks? And you'll have a young man, 13, 14 years old, to be tried as an adult for something that he's not reasonably understanding, and you sentence him to life. You sentence him to life. But what neighborhood did he come from? What status did he come from? Are his parents in po- are, are poverty? Are they live in, in poverty-stricken neighborhoods. While this man seems to not matter, what happened to the young kids that are caught up from the school to prison pipeline that are going to prison at an alarming rate as Afri- young African-American men and minorities? Where's the judges that say, we don't want to waste a life here, and no life was lost, but perhaps their father being out of the home, the poverty situation, the environment that they are in, and the environment of all that they know, and it's not to excuse any behavior, but if you're going to say, we don't want to ruin this Stanford student's life, if that's your argument, when a young girl lays raped and violated on the side of a trash dumpster, then what do you do about the kids then? Well, it also, what do you say about, see, this is the thing I have, I'm having a problem with. These laws and cases are setting precedents for anything else that, that, that will come, any other cases that will come. They can always go back to this case. Hey, this case with Turner versus um, the state of California, he only got six months for his actions. At the time he was 19 years old, he committed rape. He left the woman. The judge saw fit to allow him six months probation. See, this stuff stands. So now somebody else in another part of the country can go back to that case law and refer to that well, as precedent. Well, what and, else? Go ahead, William. No, but the thing that really bothers me is to to just to circle back. Cliff had brought up a point with the Stanford case, and no doubt in this case, they never for once said, well, "What about the woman? What about her life?" What about her, her life that changed because this man violates her and leaves her there? What about her? No, he was so concerned about change, you know, altering this, man, this, this man's course of life because he committed the crime. But what about her that got violated? What about the emotional and physical impact that she will face for the rest of her life? Cliff had brought it up. As, when you're facing – when she had to face – her accusers, and are, are, you know, I'm a, excuse me, face the rapist and, re, and relive what happened in a court of law. What the psychological impact that she had to face? Well, and why and why isn't the prosecution in any of these cases appealing the sentencing, saying that this is going That's against true. the law? That's Let's true. appeal and get the real sentence on these cases. Because the problem you have. The social status of people in our society not only affects judges, it affects prosecutors. So, but isn't this collusion? I mean, think about it. The prosecution is going to sit quiet. You knew the judge made a wrong. This was your case to win. You're 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 going. You're against this this kid killing people. You're you're there, uh, representing the people. You're, you're not just representing the prosecutor. You're representing the people. The judge makes this ruling that you know is unfair, and in 
You wash your hands well, when we're done. Well, the, problem the same is, thing happened in the Trayvon Martin case. That's true. I mean, how do you have a situation where a person gets in a fight, you start a fight, pick a fight, follow somebody, you're close to their house, jump out, jump on them, start a fight, and when you're getting your butt kicked, you shoot and kill them, and you get off with nothing. No, you no, you were you were standing your ground and defending yourself. You're the punk who started the fight, and then when you're getting beat, you want to shoot somebody, but you don't get any time for that. That that is oh. murder one every that day of the week. If that situation was changed, if that was a black man with a gun and shot a white person, stand your day. It's exist. over. It won't exist. No, stand your ground. Excuse me. Is not something that's not even brought on the table. I think the problem is, and this is going to sound horrible, prosecutors can be bought. Judges can be bought. The criminal justice system can be bought. And as long as you have a price tag that you can buy justice with, you'll continue to buy justice. Who knows if the neighborhood, when you say the prosecution is for the people, what people? Not all people. We are, we, we are the people. We speak for the people. No, you don't. Because that young girl, if you spoke for her, you probably would have been charged with contempt of court for going off on that judge as loud as you can and making a scene in that courtroom. You probably uh, uh, some some prosecutors say cuff me up. I'll be out in 24 to 48 hours. I'm not standing by silent while you let a rapist. You know why the outrage is not there? There's a price tag. What deals are being made in behind closed doors with some brandy and cigars in a room? Hey, let this go. We'll see you next year at at the annual barbecue for the town. For the city, whatever it is. This is not unusual practices. This is reality. You have lawyers and prosecutors and judges going together to Christmas parties, eating cookies and drinking eggnog. If that's the case, can I give you enough eggnog? Let that go. How many deals are done behind the cl- behind closed doors where prosecutors may be offered, hey, you know what, you want to take your wife to Florida next year? It's on us. We'll take the kids down to Disneyland? It's on us. We don't like to look in the mirror as a society and say, no, that cannot possibly happen. It absolutely is happening. We don't want to talk about it. We want to believe our system is as pristine and clean as we've been made to believe it's not and until we as a society say it's not what we think it is that people can be bought and prisons are overfilled today because of a price tag the state of Colorado the judges wives are shareholders in and owners of the halfway houses for profit. The wives of judges. Conflict of interest. If I'm the wife and I run Comcor and I have an interest of profit, 
you think I'm going to tell my husband, honey, give the guy a break? You know, what she's probably saying is, oh, honey, uh, Christmas is coming. Can you get more people for me to fill, get, fill, fill some fill, beds? Fill yeah. a few more beds. Well, and, and even when you look at the, at the, uh, the prison system, these private-run prisons that are given a contract guaranteeing them a 90% occupancy rate. How do you guarantee there will be crime in the coming year? We guarantee you that at least 90% of your beds will be filled with criminals for the entire year. How do you make that unless – I mean, that is an open contractual violation of the law. You can't just lock people up with a guarantee. I guarantee you we're going to send you some people to lock up and make money off of. That's basically what the state-run system is saying, and the judges are in lockstep with them to ensure that it gets done. Well, the problem you have with that, it begins to cloudy or to cloud over, if you will, the judgment. And how much effort then is put in to correct these folks? And give them a chance to re-enter society and be productive. If I've guaranteed you 90% occupancy, I'm going to tell you something, whether it's spoken or unspoken. It is a message to the people that work within the industry. Continue to fill beds. Cops, lock more people up. Stop people more than you've been doing in the last calendar year. Charge them with crimes, maybe misdemeanors. Well, we can get them in the halfway house. Thus, our wives can make a profit. Thus, that's money back in money. This is reality. So you can't set a precedence like that and not have behind uh, closed doors dealings and talk and discussions. This is corruption at its highest level. Well, even to, to add to that, I mean, when you look at this, there are things like sentencing guidelines, and there and there are things, but but I, I'm just looking at this whole big picture. If you can afford a, uh, a, to represent yourself, then okay, you could buy a level of freedom. But most but most of the people cannot. So they're entered into. They give them these pleas, these plea deals that are just these crazy deals, and they they're all, they're forcing them to take it. Because they don't have the means to defend themselves, to pot, to, to pay for an attorney that could adequately defend them. So basically, they'll say, "Hey, man, you know, ten years, ten years, you'll be out, and whatever." You know, that's what that's they're putting these package deals together, well, and basically, they're selling this this justice system one way or the other. You either going to give them money, or you going to give them your time, and then when you look at sentencing disparities, you're talking about. Where the sentencing guidelines for drug possession that happens in communities where they're impoverished or minorities as compared to, you know, look, the nice neighborhood. Look, the sentencing guideline is another avenue and a door to oppress and to do acts of intimidation against the defendants. There's no, at the end of the day, outside of a legislative law. Judges have broad discretion of how they sentence. Now, the reason mandatory minimums is being challenged at the level that it is, because you can't have a minimum mandatory sentence because every case is different. Every circumstance is different. 
And then what do you do with a first-time offender who's never been in trouble with the law? We have a mandatory minimum. You saw, you heard on the show a couple weeks ago, the judge said he was saddened because he was forced under law to sentence this man to this amount of time. He said, I wouldn't sentence you to this. So what we have to look at, this is not just one isolated area. If a judge is conflicted, that I don't want judge retired and said, I can't do this anymore. And he happened to be a judge, I believe, Cliff, he came on talking about he had to sentence somebody to the death penalty. And we were talking about the, the, the inhumane side of those things. And he said he couldn't do it. He had to leave the bench because of it. This problem is so big. The disparity in this country is so big. And if it was just sentencing, Maybe legislatively we could look at that. It is from the time you get arrested, from the time you get accused. The IRP-5 are prime examples of injustice and the disparity in this country. Six IT professionals without any criminal record, doing nothing but the right thing. But they're black men and one Italian-American that sought out to make a difference. And you have a judge sitting on a bench, biased against a pastor, its church, and against these men without merit, without cause. And it is without cause because from the bench, you don't see color. You're not supposed to. I don't see that these are IT professionals. I don't see nothing but justice and the right thing. That is what it was meant to be. LaWanna Banks Clark. Dead at the age of 56 from a system that failed her, that failed her family, her church, and the pressure was too much. You want to talk about disparities? You want to talk about, oh, we, we, we got the best system in the world? If that ever comes out your mouth, you haven't lived in justice yet because it is far cry from the best system in the world. It doesn't come close. And when lives are affected as they have been, and the RP6, now known as the RP5, have suffered seven years in July behind the wall, it is unacceptable. And we will attack it. We will call it out. We're going to call it what it is injustice it's wrong and all we want to do as a society is sit up and make excuses well we're not perfect then act like you're not perfect and do right the wrong that you've done to these families to the victims those that have died behind the wall fighting for justice who have been killed if you want to right the wrong then right the wrong Quit making excuses of why we are where we are. We are where we are because as a society, we have remained silent too long. And we fail to stand for justice and to fight against this type of nonsense. As I said before, body bags are filled every day in this country. At some prison, at some jail, Khalif Browder hanging on the side of his house banging up against the house where his mom comes out and finds her son dead, hanged by an air-conditioning cord around his neck. 
because of the injustice. A man sitting at Rikers Island for three years and never was convicted or even charged with a crime and was assaulted. And he said, before I go back inside, I will take my life. And his mother said in an interview, she never got the sound of that banging up against her house out of her head. She died shortly after that. I believe from a broken heart, from a system that failed. Luana Clark died. The pressure coming out of testimony and uh, the grand jury having the headache that she's never had in her life. She cried of that same headache when she died almost five months ago. And we want to talk about a system? America, we don't have one. It's time that we get one. Iman, you know, when you talk about uh, a judge that says, you know what, the system is so unfair, so rigged, so immoral that I have to, that I have to retire before I can uh, stand with the tenets of the system. Judges are not people, when they're going through their life to become a judge, these aren't people that are faint of heart, that says, oh, well, I can't take it. What they do is they understand the law to the nth degree. And so you have a judge that says, I am not going to implement that because that is far outside of the realms of what the law was written for. At what point do we as a society say, you know what, if a judge has to step away from what we call a quote unquote mandatory minimum and say, I will give up my judgeship and retire from being a judge. How is it that the legislators, that the prosecutors cannot say, hey, we need to step back, see how this system is laid out, and do something to correct the wrong? It, it, at, the, at the end of the day, it is immorality at its worst level. When a judge says, I'm not upholding that guideline, I will not uh, implement that mandatory minimum because it is simply not fair. It's not just. It is, in essence, against the law and how the forefathers laid out the laws to be implemented. And I will not do it. At that point, somebody says we need to take a look and change this because it is beyond immoral. It causes men who have set their life to to judge the the law that are set out for their to do that in their life to say I will step down and step aside before I stand with something that immoral. Well, look, this is something that has to be dealt with, has to be discussed. And the Clint's point is absolutely right. Nobody wants to have this conversation. We're going to have it. Because until we become outraged, Demetrius Anderson, the gentleman that was at one point going back to prison, attorney, uh, I'm sorry, not Demetrius, yeah, uh, attorney Michael Dolan, who represented him is going to be joining us at the top of the hour. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that has been stated that there has been a reversal in that, that they, I don't believe he's going to have to go back. Uh, but an out, a huge outcry happened. People were outraged. Wait a minute. You're going to take this man back to prison? I'm going to let uh, Attorney Michael Dolan speak to that. But somebody cried out and said, what are you doing to this man? We're going to hear, let him tell that story, uh, and this is what it takes. It's a battle. It's war. If you don't get in the trenches and fight, justice will never be found. 
This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother, and I'm pretty sure that you and I experienced some of the same things with a big brother. Big brothers will always be big brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. Well, my brother gets up in the morning. He takes a shower, heads to work, and at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And, of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff? But he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impact families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a just cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll-free at 1-855-529-4252. That's 1-855-529-4252. Join with us as we fight for justice and for all big brothers across the land. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization if I'm not given the opportunity. If you don't recognize my talent and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it works. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. Odds of becoming an astronaut, 1 in 13,200,000. Odds of being struck by lightning, 1 in 576,000. Odds of dating a supermodel, 1 in 88,000. Odds of bowling a perfect game, 1 in 11,500. Odds of being trapped in an elevator, 1 in 24,528. Odds of catching a ball at a major league game, 1 in 563. Odds of an injury from shaving, 1 in 6,585. 
odds of tripping while texting, 1 in 10. Odds of getting cancer in your lifetime, 1 in 2 men, 1 in 3 women. It's up to us to change the odds for our generation, for the ones we love, for our future. If you don't like the odds, stand up. Stand up to cancer. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Sparks. I'm Chase Crawford. Hey, what's up? It's Usher. Hi, I'm Rachel Dolphin. I'm Hayden Christensen. I'm Peyton Manning. Hey, we're Fall Out Boy. I'm Dan Archuleta. I'm Corbin Blue. I'm Kristen Bell. And we're the Jonas Brothers. Do something good for your community. Reuse bags and bottles and always recycle. Help us collect a million pounds of food. Help people prepare for natural disasters. Do something about homelessness. Anyone could be a rock star in their community. So then do something. Do something. Do something. Do something. Visit do to find out how. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio, and tonight addressing a very troubling issue uh, that's affecting this nation, and it's, it's, it's growing at an alarming rate, uh, and that's unequal justice in this country. The disparities that we suffer are, are becoming more and more common uh, every day, and these are things that uh, we should be as a nation, as a society, outraged about as we talked earlier in regards to the homeless gentleman uh who was forced by officers in hawaii to lick a urinal in a public restroom while officers no doubt mocked him and abused their badge uh, to do such a despicable thing this is unequal justice does that happen uh in the ritzy areas of this country? Does that happen in Beverly Hills? Does it happen in the higher uh, economic circles and neighborhoods in our country? Uh, You don't hear of it if it is going on, but you go to Skid Row. Go where folks are who are struggling to find out where the next meal may be coming from. Go to poverty-stricken neighborhoods and take a look at how they're treated. It's unacceptable, uh, and it needs to be addressed. And we, again, we will continue to address it. Uh, right now, we have the honor and the privilege uh, of being joined by a man who I have a great deal of respect for, who I've seen recently uh, in the news. Uh, Attorney Michael Dolan uh, was scheduled to come on this show last week. And, of course, we had issues uh, out of our control. We couldn't bring him to you, but we are honored tonight that he took time out of his schedule to joining us. Uh, and in regards to the Demetrius Anderson situation, again, looks like has changed some. I'm going to let him tell that story. And let me first introduce you to attorney Michael Dolan. Good evening, Mr. Dolan. Hi, how are you? We're doing good. And, and thank you so much for your understanding last week. And we're honored uh, and, and to have you on this show tonight to speak as we uh, talk about 
uh, unequal justice in this country and the disparities facing folks every day in this nation. And uh, you caught my attention as uh, I observed uh, an interview a few weeks ago on CNN uh, with, with your client, Demetrius Anderson, and the outrage that sparked from this type of injustice that looked like was headed in a very difficult uh, and bad way. And I thank you tonight for joining us to have this discussion, because uh, I think it fits definitely uh, to what we're talking about, in, in spite of the fact that this may be ending well, at least in a better way. But the fact that it even was attempted, uh, to me, is an outrage uh, on its highest level. So thank you again for joining us tonight. Well, thank you for bringing this issue and issues like it to light. Thank you, sir. Mr. Dolan, I'm going to give you the opportunity to tell us a little bit. I don't know what you can and cannot discuss uh, in regards to the case, uh, but I'll just speak to what I heard, uh, what I was able to observe on on CNN a few weeks ago. And I'll let you do that because you know where you can and cannot go. So I'll give you the floor to tell us a little bit about it. Okay. uh, Well, Demetrius Anderson, back in... I'm getting some feedback here. Um, okay, are you on speakerphone by chance? I was not on speakerphone. You were not. Okay, how does that sound now to you? Let's see. Let's see. Still getting the feedback. Okay, we're not hearing on our end. Is, is the radio uh, not – well, you're probably not listening to a radio or, or on your computer, are you? I am not. Okay. Uh, you may want to adjust the volume on the phone a little bit. Maybe that helps. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's. All right. Let's give it a try. Give it a try. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm fight gonna, through the uh, the feedback. All right. Okay. So, um, Demetrius Anderson was taken into custody on on so, uh, forgery charges in Connecticut in early 2005. Or it might even have been 2004. Um, and then he was held in Connecticut. Uh, the federal authorities lodged a detainer on him and asked that he be transported down to uh, Pennsylvania to face additional charges down there um, involving counterfeit currency. He was uh, processed down there, and you know the case took its. Normal gestation down there, which took about a year, uh, where he ultimately pleaded guilty and was sentenced. He was returned to Connecticut um, after receiving a 16-month sentence in Pennsylvania. Uh, Upon his return to Connecticut, he received a three-year sentence uh, with the credit that he had received and with time on on parole. He was released in 2006. Upon his release, I assume that Connecticut did its uh, normal records check uh, to see whether there was any outstanding warrants for his arrest or detainers lodged against him. Apparently, finding none, they released him. And he uh, went out into the community, um, committed to not getting, you know, to living a crime-free life and fulfilled that, pro- you know, his, that promise to himself. And he... Um, and uh, he he uh, maintained employment for the next 13 years until one day the um, the authorities uh, knocked on his door and as as he stated it 
you would have thought they were coming for Bin Laden. Um, you know, eight, eight um, marshals uh, entered his entered his uh, apartment as he entered the door. Uh, threw him up against the refrigerator. They had very little information other than that he was. Um, they had a warrant for his arrest, and he was taken to um, the federal courthouse in New Haven. Um, wow. Where he learned that he had uh, that the federal authorities did not consider his 16 month sentence served, and he was told that he would have to return. He would have to um, be sent to a federal prison to serve the balance of that that sentence. Um, I contacted uh, um, as as his lawyer. I contacted the. public defenders who had represented him in Pennsylvania to find out um, what they had learned about this and what they knew about this. And they said that he was not the, he was not the first person who um, uh, a a record audit had revealed uh, that their federal sentence had not been served and that they had done research and that there wasn't much that could be done. Um, I found that response to be unacceptable and, um, did some research and worked with the public defenders down there. And we worked to uh, resolve this case. And it looks like, uh, well, it doesn't look like it. We've been informed that he's been given credit for uh, the service of his sentence by the Bureau of Prisons. So he will not be returning. Um, well, that's, that's good to know. That's really, really good to know. Uh, Mr. Dolan, when you see situations like this happen, um, and I'm sure you've seen a lot during your career. How disheartening, how disheartening is this? Like I said, the end is better than, than what we thought, and that's what we hope for. But the fact that it even went, that the door was even opened to go down this road with a man who had established himself uh, and then uh, – have all the successes of doing, you know, getting into a community and doing what he needed to do and following the, 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 the roadmap, if you will, to be a, a, a productive citizen. And for something like this to happen, how disheartening is that to, to you as an attorney, but also to us as a nation? Well, you know, you see a lot of, you know, in my career over the, 22 years of my career, you see a lot of injustice and, um, you know, it's important that, you know, you, that we collectively, you know, find solace, uh, in stories like this and, um, and the fine work that other attorneys are doing and that we share our successes. Um, so, so we, uh, we know that you know that we know that the that the fight is not um, for naught, and uh, so you know while it can be disheartening, you know these types of stories, you know, really make um, the job worthwhile. Um, but yeah, see, it, the job can't be can't can't be it can't beat you down. The system can beat you down, um, but you know it, it's important that we all. Um, you know, really work together and, and, you know, strive for justice and, and, um, you know, work, work as a group. 
No, absolutely and this really right. was a collaborate collaboration here, and you know, there was there was a lot of arm twisting that was done to you know to bring even bring the U.S. Attorney's Office along to um, act as a, as an, eventually act as an advocate for um, you know justice here. Oh, that's awesome, and Demetrius, I'm sure. Uh, I'll ask you. I'm sure he's elated and happy. And uh, how's he doing since all these things? I, I, when I saw him, he looked uh, he, he looked very troubled, which he should have been, uh, given the fact he had you know really gotten on his feet and doing what needed to be done. How is he today, and what are his thoughts as, as far as going forward? You know, he he was very dejected uh, early on, especially when you know when the initial indications or were that, you know, he wasn't the first person that this had happened to and that there was, um, you know, relief had been explored and that other, by other lawyers and that and they hadn't reached, uh, uh, you know, a conclusion that kept, uh, that kept their clients out of jail. So, you know, he really was uh, dejected at that point. Um, and, you know, we were determined, you know, not to let that happen to him. You know, I can tell you, you know, he had he had thoughts of harming himself, and you know, he lost 15 pounds in less than uh, you know two weeks. You know, he wasn't eating. Uh, you know, to to think about your you know your life being upended like that, you know, in such a short period of time and having accomplished so much. Sure. But you know, he worked so hard to to accomplish all that, and to, you know, to really have it the prospect of having that stripped away from you uh, really, it was really disheartening for him. But, you know, I talked to him uh, yesterday, you know, and I think his, his life is getting back to normal. Um, You know, this matter isn't completely resolved yet. We expect to uh, return to court in uh, Pennsylvania the beginning of May, hopefully just to resolve uh, the restitution matter. Um, But, you know, he's, He's he's much more at ease right now. Well, good. Um, I'm I'm very happy to hear that. And Mr. Dolan, let me first say to you as an attorney, I know you said it was a, a group effort. People came together, and that's what that's what we talk about on this show. Uh, come together. Let's let your voice be heard. And to uh, be an attorney that that had conviction enough to say, look, we need to do something. Uh, my hats off to you because uh, a lot of folks don't get involved. It's like, well, that's just the way it is. Let's move on to the next client and, and keep going. But th- that speaks volumes to me, uh, to you and your exactly. character uh, as an attorney. I can't tell you how, how much that – because it's good to know that there are people that care enough to say, look, um, and you've been in the system. You, you know as far as an attorney, you've seen in and everything, I am sure, uh, and to say, look, this, this just cannot happen. I think what's sad, what, what you just said, Mr. Dolan, in regards to Demetrius thinking of harming himself, losing the weight that he lost. Nobody counts the cost of injustice. And in a moment, this man's life, a moment, this man's life changed almost for the worse. What would he have done had nobody stood up and fought and said, look, we're not going to let that happen? Where would he be right now? Would he be, would he be here if thoughts of harming himself had this thing played out to the injustice that it could have. These are questions and these are things that must be talked about, that before you make a move on a clerical error and go get a man out of his house and do this, a woman, whoever it is, and do this to them, 
look at the ramifications that could have happened. Look at what could have happened to this young man. And when you say he was dejected, you ever think about what that man, and before they went into his house and did what they did, did not a person think about what will this do to this young man? Where, why has America lost its human kindness? The humanity that's missing in this country is uncomprehendable to me. Well, well, Mom, we've talked about it on here time and time again about how, you know, people in authority or any type of like basically any way that somebody can set themselves above another human being in this country to look down on them, then they just basically they write them off. They write them off as, you know, they're not worth anything. They're not worth anything to society. And that really is what, you know, helps them to, you know, I guess, justify their actions. But I mean, I mean, Mr. Dolan was talking about it. This guy, he got out of, you know, he got released and immediately went to bettering himself. He didn't go out there and try and start, you know, getting back in the game or, you know, acting up, going crazy. He went back and started rebuilding his life. He went back and did what anybody, what society truly wants for anybody that's going there to be rehabilitated to do. He went out there and he wanted to get back to being a contributing member of society. And then they go in there with like some SEAL Team 6 maneuver to snatch this guy out of his house and threaten to throw him right back in because they made a mistake. The people in power made a mistake. So we're going to punish you. We're going to punish you, Mr. Now, upstanding citizen, because we made an error. Mr. Dolan, if I heard you correctly, did you say they slammed him up against the wall in his house when they came to get him? That's my understanding, yes. Okay, here's, here's what's confusing to me. I haven't done anything. Now, you shouldn't be slamming me up against the wall had I done something. I'm not even a threat. This is a clerical error. So I'm just, as far as Mr. Anderson is concerned, he's getting up, maybe making bacon and eggs. And next thing he knows, he's getting slammed up against a wall for doing absolutely nothing because a clerical error was made. So we, look, get up against the wall, you animal. Are you kidding me right now? This is unbelievable to me. This man is, and, and Mr. Dolan, how long was he out before this happened? 13 years. Okay, so 13 years later. I'm going to work, paying my bills, having a few barbecues, some Christmases, Thanksgivings, and out of nowhere, I'm being slammed up against the wall in my house. Not because I committed a new crime, because we made a mistake. Let's get this, whatever they and call let's it. Also, let's, all, let's also note that his convictions were for nonviolent offenses. Wow. So there's no history of, yeah. of, of, of violence. So you had no reason he's not resisting because you slammed him up against the wall 13 years later. Uh, that's uncomprehendable to me. But that's the culture. This is the culture of our society that we should be ashamed of as a society. We're not. Well, I think the thing to me, you know, as you listen to this, it's, it's, this, it's this constant oppression. You know, I mean, this man has 13 years he's been contributing to society. And like you said, Samson, he, you know, he's going on with his life. He's putting this stuff behind him. He's saying, listen, this is what I'm going to do. But you see fit to oppress him just one day and rush, you know, cops just rush his house 
And then I'm sitting here thinking, okay, 13 years later from a clerical era, who in the world is even looking at this stuff? I mean, you know, that's the kind of thing that I'm sitting here thinking, who who would even be looking at this case this many years later? This man is obviously hasn't done anything, but you just see fit to oppress him? or no. I don't understand. Well, there's no logic to it. There's just no logic to it. And, and Kendrick, I'd like you to chime in real quick on what Mr. Dolan said. I know me, Mr. Dolan, I was wrongfully convicted in this state, did seven years for a crime I never committed. <laughs> now, Kendrick Barnes, uh, one of our co-hosts here on the show, uh, did close to what, seven years, close to it. Just under the six, under and, six and some change. And uh, Kendrick, I'll tell you right now, if somebody came in my house right now, uh, I've done nothing. You come in my house right now, slamming me up against a wall, uh, that's unjust. And yeah. I was wrongfully convicted. I, check this out. It ain't about me doing time for something I did. I didn't do anything. And they took seven years from me. Kendrick, Kendrick they, you did nothing. Yeah, it, but the sad thing is it doesn't surprise me that they do that because everybody's a nail. The only weapon they have is a hammer. So they made the mistake, and they're going to make you pay for it that we made a mistake. I dare you not catch our mistake for us, and we're going to make you pay for that. No, that's your mistake. And this man went out there and lived a productive life. Yeah. He went on, but they can't just admit that, hey, we did something. We Never made a happened. mistake. And you know what? We made a mistake on a good person who, right. who didn't go out there and do any other crime, went out there just to – who corrected himself. The statistics are that folks that will reoffend, we usually do in the, in the first year and a half. This man set out for 12 years, proved himself, earned his right, done his time. Uh, so, Mr. Dolan, held down two jobs. Held down two jobs. He held down two jobs. Correct. Which is saying, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm just, I'm a working man. I'm a working man, providing for my family and putting some food on the table. And and the the DA's office or whoever says, let's interrupt this honeymoon right now. Let's just. You can, you're just going to go in this This is unbelievable to me You're just going to show up at this man's house Now he's He's passed the, the fear factor uh, Of returning to prison Because he's made it This is somebody who has made it 12 years later No trouble with the law He's made it He's as, he's as much a citizen And important part of our society As anybody listening to this show and has every right that every other person has in this country. He's earned that. And you go up in his house after he's working two jobs, probably was tired. He's working two jobs to make sure he does what's right. And the state says, let's go ahead and have some fun. Let's play uh, RoboCop today. Well, it was almost like they probably happened along him and saw this hardworking man and thought, let's get him. There's got to be something with him. Because why would you go back and check to see that, oh, the clerical error? I mean, after he's been out so long. It's, 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 it's like he was targeted, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that, it's, it's like that. I mean, because you, you sit there and you think, his neighbors probably didn't even know this man had a history like this. You know what no. I'm saying? They would never even know. 
It's amazing. Mr. Dolan, if you got a quick minute, I'd like to come right back. Uh, I know it's late there uh, sure. uh, on the East Coast, but I'd like to come yeah, back and get uh, your thoughts and some other comments, unless you want to make those now. We can, we can pause on that exit right now. I'm happy to come back. Okay. It'll be a if few minutes. We're going to bring you back. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mr. Dolan. Sure. Well, you know, the, the one thing I will note is, uh, um, is that, you know, Mr. Anderson, I, I urged him to go to the press. You know, I said, we have to fight with everything that we have. And he was reluctant to go to the press because no. he didn't want his coworkers and his neighbors to look at him differently. He told me, Mike, you don't know what that's like. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and I urged them, I said, we have, you have to fight with every, you know, we have to fight with everything, you know, we have that you have, um, you know, and I eventually got him on board, but, it, you know, it was not a, um, you know, it was not an easy task. He was, uh, he was reluctant to do that because, you know, he, he didn't want to be, have eyes of dispersion cast upon him. So, um, you know, just following up with you, with you gentlemen were just talking about that, you know, it's, it's difficult. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a difficult burden to bear. So. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, you're urging him to go forward may very well be in his saving grace because look, people became outraged. When I saw it that night, I immediately wrote your name down. I said, I got to talk to this attorney. I got to talk to Demetrius. This is outrageous. And uh, yeah, and the likes of you, Van Jones, you know, and, and other groups, you know, got on board and uh, cut fifty, and you know, every, you know, a lot of good people. Uh, Don Lemon, you yeah. know, they 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 shared, you know, they they shared in, in in this mission here. So very much appreciated. No, and we appreciate what you do every day, uh, Mr. Dolan. We're going to bring you back, get some closing thoughts from you. Uh, and uh, this has been informative, I guarantee it. Ladies and gentlemen of America, uh, Attorney Michael Dolan talking about and chiming in in this conversation, school justice in America and the disparities facing a nation out of control. In this case, because of the outcry against injustice. Mr. Anderson is a free man tonight. Tip our hats to you, Mr. Dolan. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now, add a wrongful conviction to that. Life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should they ever be faced with, especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions by remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation. You can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today, one 855 529-4252. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, 
because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. We have a big problem, and we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters. Our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening, I was taught you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many. The criminal justice system has a set of rights created to protect you. But do you think it's really protecting us? You had a right to remain silent. But that really means you had a right to be silent, doubted, interrogated, suspected. The color of your skin can and will be used against you in the court of law. In their hands, we're incarcerated five times more often than white people convicted for the same crimes. You have a right to attorney during questioning. In some states, 80% of criminal defendants can't even afford an attorney. So an overworked public defender controls your fate. One government employee, countless lives at stake. You had a right to be innocent until proven guilty. But somehow, about 47% of the wrongly convicted are black. And if they do prove you're guilty, they're going to write you a run-on sentence on average 20% longer than white defendants accused of the same crime. Even if you get out, you're still not free. When you're an ex-con, they had a right to deny you a bank account, deny you a mortgage, deny you a job, deny your vote. And if you don't remain perfect with the smallest slip-up, smallest infraction, the most honest mistake, you're going to join us, the 80% who come back to prison within five years, as I did. That's when you realize they didn't bring us here to thrive. They brought us here to build this. The plantation and the prison are actually no different. The past is the present. It ain't no coincidence. This was the plan since abolition, to keep us subjugated by creating this system. But I believe in a different set of rights. The right to stand up and be heard. The right to reform a broken justice system and build a new future. We had the right to be silent. Now it's our right to speak up. Do you understand these rights as I read them to you? Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio. As we come back tonight and really a sad state of affairs in this nation of unequal justice, the injustice that is suffered by many across this nation, but the continued pursuit of injustice by those that 
wear a badge or sit on a bench or sit in a prosecutor's office is unacceptable. We have decided to challenge the injustice, to speak out against those things that many people just will not speak out about. AJC Radio, Just Cause Organization, is committed to fighting against all injustice wherever it is found. Tonight, we've had the privilege of being joined by attorney Michael Dolan, uh, discussing with us his perspective and what he's brought to the table in this discussion. And the Demetrius Anderson case, uh, the young man, after 12 years of being out of prison and a productive citizen of society, was, was faced with a challenge of possibly going back uh, on the inside. And due to the voices of many and the work of Attorney Michael Dolan, Demetrius Anderson is free tonight and will remain that way other than some technicalities that have to be worked through. Mr. Dolan, thank you so much for coming back with us on this show. We appreciate you again for taking time tonight. Uh, and being a part of this discussion. We appreciate it so very much. Well, I, I respect what you guys do. I appreciate what you guys do. It, you know, it's, you know, we all do our part trying to make uh, this country a better place and bring in, you know, by bringing in justice, you know, to light uh, helps us all and, and, and makes us a better place. No, absolutely. And, uh, Mr. Dolan, I, I want to give you an opportunity to give your closing thoughts to our listeners across this country. Uh, of why is it, in your opinion, is it so important that we have these discussions, that people are at least made aware of, again, I believe that without the push and going to the media, uh, Mr. Anderson may very well uh, be behind bars right now. Uh, but yeah. people spoke out. And what are you, why is it important that we speak and use whatever platform we have and others that may have a platform why is that so critically important, not only in the Demetrius Anderson case, but in cases uh, probably by the thousands that people are facing these issues? Yeah, I, I just think it's important that, you know, when when injustice occurs, uh, that, you know, it's, it's brought to light. And whether that injustice occurs uh, intentionally, which uh, I think is often rare. I think uh, the injustice that happens within our system it isn't always it, it, it's it's rarely intentional, but I think it's often uh, negligent. I think it's in a lot of ways it's uh, baked into the system, um, whether it's because of race or because of uh, economic uh, situations. Um, you know, different priorities. You know, different priorities that are placed. Um, um, you know, uh, I, I, within the government, you know how we how how funds are spent. You know, I think it's important that 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 the injustice is brought to light uh, because I think when people hear stories like this, they are offended, they are shocked, and I think it's you know that's why I think the work that that you gentlemen are doing is is so important. And um, you know, we all should be you know the people who are fighting you know. You know the fight that that ha- that we've been fighting for years. I, you know, I th- I think it's important to um, take a step back sometimes and realize that we have come a long way. Um, when, when you see some of the, you know, when you see the conversations that are taking place now, and you know, in, at least in Connecticut, 
um, you know, the sentences that are handed out now are um, so much less severe than they were, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, where, you know, somebody getting caught, uh, you know, selling, you know, uh, you know, a couple of dime bags of whether it was cocaine or or or, um, or marijuana, you know, we're getting prison sentences. Um, you know, that's not happening anymore uh, for the most part. And you know, so we've we've come a long way. Uh, I think there's a long. I think there's still a long a long way to go. Um, you know, you know, I, I still get frustrated when um, you know when, when I see. Uh, police officers raiding, um, you know, raiding bars where there's um, majority. The majority of uh, patrons are minority, and you know, and I, when I know there's just as much cocaine being trafficked in in, in the Caucasian bars, you know, I, I find that I find that frustrating. Um, but you know we have come a long way. I'm not saying that that that, that the that the fight is over, but um, you know we need to you know congratulate ourselves and you know and realize that you know there are triumphs out there, whether it's an individual one like like we experienced with Demetrius Anderson, or collectively um, where we where you know we've changed the uh, the perspective on on sentencing and, and, you know, and, and, you know, police conduct, um, I I think has improved greatly, at least, at least in Connecticut, you know, you, you, you hear stories throughout the nation where there's still a great deal of injustice and, and misconduct by police. Um, you know, I tell you throughout the state of Connecticut and I, I practice throughout the state of Connecticut. One thing I think is imperative, uh, that, that, we fund and implement is body cams and dash cams. Um, Absolutely. You know, you, you see, a, I, I see when I go to a jurisdiction where there's not a, where, where those are not cameras are not in place or not utilized. Um, the police officers take, take liberties that just are not taken um, where they are utilized. Uh, and, you know, there, it, it creates a whole different climate uh, within a police force, Absolutely. so that, that, that you know that that's one thing that I think we all should be advocating for, and you know I think I think police officers also need to be taught um, and trained. Um, look, you know, they, 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 I know I know they've always been trained on, on how to properly you know arrest and and, and and on the laws, but they also they also need to be, you know they also need to be be told that you know this isn't a game it's not cops versus robbers um and they should probably also be trained and, and told you don't get paid more for the number of arrests that you uh, they need to be reminded that you know it's you know we're not counting arrests here that's you know that that's the, your pay grade is your, your pay amount is the same um you know and you should protect yourself you should protect your fellow officers you know, but you're also here to, you know, protect the public. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, if you remind them that, you know, that their jobs are on the line, maybe they start acting selfishly and it, and it has um, a greater, uh, you know, does you it overall greater good for our people, you know, for, for, for the people who they're serving. 
um, because sure. when they when when they falsify uh, facts uh, to make arrests, you know, that's not serving um, justice, and it's certainly not um, you know doing a, a greater good uh, for anybody. Oh, I agree, Mr. Dolan. And uh, uh, look, those are points that should be made. If there's a state that wants to pass legislation saying we're not going for body cams and dash cams, you better investigate that state or that county. There's a problem. Uh, Because if I'm doing my job, give me a camera. I don't care. Yeah. Put a camera on me. You're not doing nothing that you shouldn't be. Bring the surveillance all day. Yeah. They should, you know, and the good police officers welcome it. Sure. Absolutely. You know, the ones who are doing it right, they, they, they welcome it. Um, yeah, and look, look so. Mr. Dolan, I'll tell you this. Uh, just because uh, we're all about saluting those that honor the badge. Uh, you know, our thoughts, our prayers go with those men every day, uh, that, that they're protected, that they are able to perform and to do what they need to do. We understand the risk and lives on the line. And for those officers that are doing it, we salute you. We thank you for protecting us and making this country a safer place. Without question, let me be clear on that. But to the officers that abuse that badge, it is our responsibility not to remain silent on that issue and to speak out against it. And uh, I think the points you make tonight, Mr. Dolan, are critical, uh, and they are very good points, very informative, and folks should be paying attention to what you have to say. I want to thank you again for joining us tonight uh, in this conversation. We'd love to have you back on as we get into more discussions. Uh, that you may be able to add some uh, some dialogue to. We would definitely welcome it at any time on this show. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Um, I'll stay in touch. Thank you. Okay, Mr. Dolan, take care. All right, good night. All right. There you have it, folks. Attorney Michael Dolan, attorney for Demetrius Anderson. Uh, he's added a lot. Samson, your thoughts on Mr. Dolan? Uh, I, I think he should be commended. I mean, the fact of the matter is that he's pushing his client to say, hey, look, you need to go. You need to get out there. You need to get your voice heard. I mean, he's honestly like a kindred spirit of this show, this organization. Like, that's exactly what we're trying to do for every single person that's been a victim of injustice, that's been wrongfully convicted, that's been put behind, you know, the wall for any amount of time with no just cause to, you know, to justify them being there you know i mean that's what this organization is based on that's our complete mission that's what we're here to do so to have him as an attorney granted he's up in connecticut but to be working and pushing like that you know for his clients i mean again he's he's to be commended and i would say to any of them any others that are out there listening like this is what we need more in our country this is what we need to change the justice system from the modern day slavery flesh for cash kind of thing that's going on to an actual system where the citizens of this country can believe in it and believe that they can go out there and get justice regardless of their social status, regardless of their race, regardless of any other factor. Oh, absolutely right. Uh, well-spoken, Samson. And that, look, that's what we all believe at this table tonight, that there is something that can be done, must be done, uh, as this injustice, as I said earlier, the attempted act of injustice against Demetrius Anderson, there should be people held accountable for that. Uh, that's, that's wrong. Just because an outcry came and you were de- you were uh, your plan was derailed, the fact that a plan was even in place to do such a thing, uh, you should be answerable for that. 
This is AJC Radio. On the other side of the break, we're coming back. The RP Five Moments is next. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call one 855-529-4252. That is a just cause. And we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay. Call one 529 4252 It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today. I stand for equality. I stand for individuality. I stand for peace. I stand for diversity. I stand for dignity. I stand for respect. I stand for fairness.
but I can't put my skills to work for your organization if I'm not given the opportunity. If you don't recognize my talent and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it works. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. Ladies and gentlemen, AJC Radio, again, we're back tonight addressing an issue uh, that needs to be addressed as we deal with the unequal justice in America and the things that we have found appalling uh, in this country. Tonight, as we turn the page on our final segment of the show, the RP6, RP5 moment, uh, RP5, of course, formerly known as the RP6, tonight we talk about one of the RP6 who has took it upon themselves. We believe the public uh, needs to be made aware of just what the actions of Gary Walker uh, has done uh, as far as to totally speak lie after lie after lie in regards to get a get free, get a get out of jail free card. Uh, but he left without his integrity. He left without honor. Uh, Kendrick Barnes, a co-host on this show, uh, is a man that stood true to his integrity and to what he believed, and that was the fact that these men were not guilty of anything. Tonight we play for you the words of Gary Walker, uh, who made a statement, said that he didn't know that he was the CEO of the company, that he was under some type of spell, if you will, some type of spell uh, that made him have an epiphany in a jail cell, uh, which was absolutely false. Um, These are things we are going to address and deal with tonight during the IRP uh, 5 moment. That will be played every time on this show uh, in a a consistent manner. Uh, Right now, I'm going to play a clip of Gary Walker that contradicts the words and the lies uh, that he has stated uh, in regard to these men. And we still defend the innocence of Gary Walker as part of the RP6 because he was innocent. But in order to get out of jail, he went to a level of dishonor and no integrity at all. Let's hear the clip. I began the first version of this software over 11 years ago. Uh, this represents a significant investment of time for me. Um, and given that, the amount of effort, the amount of money put into this, the travel put in, learning law enforcement, uh, it really just appalls me when I hear the government make allegations that this is a scam, that this company was set up for the sole purpose to take money from staffing companies or any other company. Uh, This is a passion of mine. It's been my life work for over a decade. 
So anyone who's worked over a significant amount of time on any endeavor can feel my passion, can feel that this is something that I want to get out into the marketplace to improve the work that our law enforcement agencies do. Uh, the people I have working with me are also just as passionate on this work. We've devoted much of our time to this. We've made personal sacrifices. Uh, personally, I've gone through quite a bit of financial turmoil in order to develop this software. Um, and this is something that I want to continue to work. Uh, our company, RP Solutions, continues to push this product. We continue to market it to the goal of getting this into the hands of the major law enforcement agencies in our country. Uh, this is not a scam. This is real life for us. This is what we've been working for many years to get into the marketplace. And it is incredible, incredulous to believe that the government would accuse us of setting up a scam company uh, for the sole purpose of defrauding others when you can clearly see that there's a significant amount of effort here, there's significant capability. And from the major law enforcement agencies we've talked to, this is some of the best software on the market. Uh, once we've been able to push past this hurdle uh, with, the, with the legal challenges we currently face, we are very certain that we'll be able to be vindicated and to get this into the hands of major law enforcement agencies. This software was developed in part during the duration and the time period of 9-11. Uh, during one of our trips to New York City, uh, we stayed in a hotel across the street from the former World Trade Center. Uh, being on the 50th floor of that hotel, we were able to look down at the gaping hole left as a result of that tragedy. And it really hit home for us that we have something that can help prevent future incidents like this. Uh, one of the reasons that that incident occurred is that different agencies had inf information about the terrorists that they were not able to share amongst other agencies. Well, our Silk software does just that. Uh, we also think back to the Washington, D.C. sniper. Uh, potentially, lives could have been saved if information had been shared across agencies. Uh, our software does that. So we as a company have a passion about what we deliver. We realize that this is software that can make a difference in people's lives. It could save lives. Uh, we are passionate about our work. Uh, we are passionate about delivering silk into the hands of major law enforcement agencies. Um, being an entrepreneur now for many years, uh, this is a dream. And a, and a dream of a business for an, for an entrepreneur is not something that he can give up on easily. Uh, I've worked many years to get this software put in place, to fund this company, to get this software into the hands of users. Uh, that's a dream that does not go away easily. Uh, even with the current uh, law and uh, criminal allegations against the company, that has not deterred our drive to get this software into the hands of the right people. We're certain that this software, being in their hands, can help them do much better law enforcement work to benefit our country, to benefit people across the world, because this is globally capable software. Um, having worked in the software so, for so many years uh, and seeing its evolution, I know that this can make a difference in law enforcement. Um, I, I read an article recently that talked about entrepreneurs. It talked about why they're so passionate about their work. And the reason is that when you've worked on any project over a period of five, even ten years, it becomes part of your personality. Uh, the company, your product, become a part of you. It's not something that you can easily give up on. Uh, 
And in fact, one entrepreneur stated that when he had to close his company, it was like a death in the family. That's what I'm fighting against. That's what IRP Solutions is working to continue to have this company be operational, to uh, show others, and to get past our current legal struggles so that we can have a viable company delivering a very valuable product to law enforcement and to benefit uh, the lives of Americans. There you have it. The words of Gary Walker. Doesn't sound like a man under a spell. Doesn't sound like a man that is losing his mind. Sounds like a man very well together. And why he argued this case with the other five IRP gentlemen. Argued it well. This is not something that sounds like a fake or a facade or a performance. This is something that is real. Kendrick, when you hear Gary talk there, Mr. Walker, you lived it. You know it. The contradiction is clear. Your thoughts? Yeah, when when you hear that, you can understand why I went to work and, and believed in Gary Walker and his product. That was a compelling and very uh, and, and influential statement he made. And the CEO of any company is the heart of the company. And if you don't believe in the leadership and the vision of a CEO, you don't work for that company. I would have never worked for IRP Solutions if I didn't believe in what he had and what he was doing. And then you fast forward and he says, oh, I wasn't the CEO of the company. Oh, I had nothing to do with it. Wait a minute. You convinced not just me, but the five other co-defendants. You you convinced large law enforcement agencies by doing demos of the software that, you know what, you had a solution worth fighting for. No, without question. And I'll say this. And make no mistake about it. This was not only the vision of Gary Walker. The entire IRP six. Without each other, without Kendrick Barnes working in an office, without Demetrius Harper, without David Banks, without Dave Zappolo, without Clinton Stewart, there is no software. There is no vision. One person couldn't get this job done. But because they all collectively believe in one vision, without each other, nothing's done. Make no mistake about it. This is something that's critical, important, critically important. We're coming back next week. Join us for the IRP 6 moment, IRP 5 moment, excuse me, as we continue to address the betrayal of a man that left his comrades in harm's way. We deal with it again next Tuesday. Until next time, a very special thanks to our guest, Attorney Michael Dolan, and all those that listen to the show across this nation, and to all of our callers, good night. We continue to fight for justice. Good night, America. I think that the discretion that we say DAs have, they should have. When judges, when I was a DA 30 years ago, the crime rate was ridiculous. The drug problems were ridiculous. 
Minority communities, diverse communities saying we are under attack. Guess what? They're not anymore. And I would just say, if you look, I can't even believe that the discussion is with the heroin epidemic that we have right now, that people who think people who traffic in heroin, we're talking about the opiate problem, giving it to mothers, if you will, who are pregnant and have people dying every day, that anybody would even suggest that it's good social policy, sorry, Judge Gans, that you would get rid of trafficking in heroin. I think Nobody's there's some argument. saying get rid of it. People are saying the prosecutor exercises his discretion as to what to charge, and then the judge who hears both sides decides how to sentence. The notion that judges today would be as they were 30 years ago is absurd, partly because the press is much more attentive to how judges are sentencing. And then in addition, there's training for judges and there are programs now. There are uh, evidence-based programs about what to do with people. And to characterize this as a trafficker issue overstates it. I'm talking about the people who are not traffickers, you know, DA. Lower level who get lumped. So you think think traffickers then it's fine for them to have mandatory sentences. You wouldn't be upset with that. No, no, no. I don't need a mandatory sentence. If I had someone who was trafficking large quantities of heroin, I would throw the book at them. I don't need a mandate. I mean, the notion of a mandatory minimum, it doesn't affect what the sentence is going to be. It affects who the sentencer is. Billy, it seems to me uh, prosecutors get total discretion and they have none, meaning in light of the fact that, what, 90% of cases are ultimately there's a deal, right. you can hold, you, have, well, the ability, has the you have, have the ability to hold a mandatory minimum sentence over a defendant's head to get him or her to plead to whatever you want with the judge totally out of the picture. Well,